3: You
1: built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the stupid cancer show.
2: Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the mundus. Because he has a lot of chutzpah. <laughs>
3: Kids!
4: <laughs> People seem to like me because I am
3: polite and I'm rarely late.
5: And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woo-hoo!
1: Nothing is anything wrong with us? Oh, yeah.
0: Monday, October 10th, and welcome to the historic... 200th episode of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer.
4: And I'm Lisa
2: Bernhard, 16-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. It's not okay. Not okay. (laughs) 70,000 young adults
0: are diagnosed with cancer every year. So, got cancer under 40? stop. It's time to get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world. One Kim, one fusion at a time.
2: Tonight's show is all about our good friends at Breast Cancer Action. If you want to talk pink nausea or pink washing, tonight is the night. Angela Wall, communications manager, joins us. Kim Irish, program manager of Breast Cancer Action. And Caitlin Carmody, membership coordinator of Breast Cancer Action. Kicking it off in the spotlight, Marissa Levesque and her mom, Kim Jutras. She's a young adult breast cancer survivor. The
0: Stupid Cancer Show is a production of the I'm Too Young for the Cancer Foundation, online at stupidcancer.com. We are not your father's cancer society, and we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs. So, welcome aboard, another fun and exciting rough to the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters.
2: And a stupid cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemodex, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan.
0: And as a final reminder, of course, the Stupid Cancer Show has a live interactive chat room during each broadcast. We invite you to join in the fun, connect with our friends, and ask questions of our guests. 200 shows. Fantastic. That takes one of these. Milestone. Milestone.
2: Stoned. Dude. Milestone. Mildly stoned. We popped the champagne, but I wanted cake.
0: Where's my Marie Antoinette quote?
2: Let them eat. (laughs) I can't have cake. I'm trying to lose a few.
0: Two hundred shows. That's
2: amazing. I have not been here for all two hundred.
0: No. I don't know I how many. I think I've been, been here for, for most of the. But I think you. I
2: think you've pretty much been here. I don't know most about, of the At least in body. Was I alive <laughs> for all?
0: <of> <laughs> Kenny was born the hour before the show started. Yeah. Did oh,
2: Jessica, oh man. Did Jessica give birth to Kenny?
0: Oh. Uh oh. What? Uh-oh. what? <laughs> Daddy. Um, hey, Daddy.
2: Now. <laughs> hey now. Don't. Ha ha. Hey
0: now. Is I can't
2: I'm not in the chat room. Why can't I get into the chat room? Can he help me? Take the take the
0: hint. Keep <clears> him <throat> blocked. Internet <laughs> Internet one oh one hold this on. This will be my final broadcast. <laughs> right. Breast
2: cancer action. There we go. On air. Oh, I'm a little technologically challenged tonight and every night.
0: Are you there logged in to the fabulous Blog Talk Radio Network? I the am. Fabulous Blog Talk Radio Network.
2: BTR.
0: Yes. Um, I are, have a, I have a special, uh, treat for everybody tonight. Uh-oh. I was able to find... <laughs> Good thing this is radio. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey. Put your shirt back on. I was able to find... Whoa!
2: What? Break it up, boys. It's Gingelicious. <laughs> he is Gingelicious.
0: Gingelicious, that's your, your, uh... If you went to First Descent, that's your nickname, Gingelicious. Oh, I'm sure. All right, I was able to pull up the very first episode of the Stupid Cancer Show... Broadcast on a, on May twenty eighth, two thousand seven.
2: Speaking of not having your shirt on because you were probably sitting naked in your basement, right?
0: Wasn't a basement, but yes, <laughs> it was an attic. <laughs> Say no more. Right. <laughs> yes, the stupid cancer show was handed to me by a wonderful young advocate named Selma Schimmel, who runs an organization called Vital Options. She was offered the opportunity to take her terrestrial radio show to the web. And respectfully declined because she has such a great platform on, on uh, on the ground. So she said, Matt, would you like the show? And I said, okay. I grew up listening to NPR. I can do a radio show, maybe. So needless to say, this was like April. And I spent a month branding the show and trying to figure out what we should call it. And thus, the birth of stupid cancer came from the show.
2: And history was made, and we've never looked
0: back. There was no stupid cancer until the Stupid Cancer Show, and then from that, everything became stupid cancer. So you put the stupid in the cancer. I did. Oh, yeah. I put the stupid in the cancer. So at the end of the day, here we are, 200 broadcasts later, 1.5 million aggregate listeners later, and I have the original May 28th, 2007 show I'll just play the first minute or two Back, we didn't really have guests back then it was kind of like me ranting for an hour having no idea what the hell I was doing with myself
2: is that what we have to listen to right now no it's, well, <laughs> it's really a rant it's the <laughs> MZ socialist we hour. always listen to that this <laughs> reminds me of like a that <laughs> first true.
0: episode of when Conan took, o- took over for um, for Letterman in like 91 or 92 the opening sequence was a cartoon of him like, like Rodney Dangerfield like like, r- uh, gripping his tie back and forth all nervous Right. that's how I felt I yep. had no idea what I was doing and it didn't even have our, our, our quintessential opening credits. It had a, basically, it was Carl Orff's um, Zarathustra from 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. untight Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right, so here it is. Let's listen to the first two minutes of the original Stupid Cancer Show.
3: That's not hair. it. What? Here we go. Hey, kids.
0: It's like that first episode of Family Guy. You're like, it's really? A stupid Cancer Show. We are live on the air. Unbelievable.
3: <laughs>
0: 904. It's Monday, time. Memorial Day, May 28th, 2007. The inaugural broadcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. The first. Live, streaming, radio broadcast, giving voice to young adults affected by cancer. I got chills. I got chills. And they're multiplying. <laughs> and I'm losing control. I was high, for the record. I was very high. All righty. Let's bring down the tears for fears. We got a whole host of goodness going on right here. We all are all about music. And what kind of radio show would it be without some music? I am your host, it's
3: Matthew Hame, aren't I? Tame, Yeah, you're we very are here to measured? change the
0: world, one person at a time. You're listening to this neurotic Jew life. <laughs> 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 I a mic in front of me, everyone raised their hand, obviously everyone knows I love to talk, I guess I must have inherited the talking gene from my dad.
3: Big Lou in the, the chat room
0: would happily speak to inanimate objects, I suppose, uh, just as long as he could hear his own voice. <laughs> Crew uh, Raffi raises his hand, alright, everyone knows I like to chat. Um, uh, perhaps that's what's going on here—that I would just like to hear my own voice. Oh man, lots of people raising their hands. onco you know, Narcissism, like baby. Uh, it's entirely possible. I just need more therapy, and uh, we'll just take care of that with some good pharmacology. Still,
2: still working on that. I huh? do I have, no yeah.
0: guests, no scripts, no co-hosts. Weekends, all no opening theme. Everyone uh, checking in. There's almost 20 people in the, uh, in the in the forum there. Everyone having a good Memorial Day weekend so far. Well, you let's had 20. you had yes, 20 people see, on the first no. show. No, that was. I'm only like two minutes to 20 people already in the chat room. <laughs> yeah. He wants me to talk. Right, I'm just going to keep talking. Then uh, I want to thank everyone in advance for for tuning in and checking out the program. I hope your uh, sun soaked and beach strained bodies are relaxed enough to reconcile that most of you are going back to work tomorrow. Uh, and if you're not going back to work tomorrow, then you can revel in the envy that other people have of you.
2: Matt, we only have 28 uh, in the chat room tonight, so maybe we have, <laughs> maybe we haven't come very far. All right,
0: that was the that is the inaugural broadcast. It was basically me ranting for an hour. I, had, I think I had a friend of mine on the show who was a pianist survivor. Um, it, but that was it. Like, that's how it got started. That is the actual genesis of where we are today. And I pulled that file out of my ass. I had no idea where it was, and I, I searched for it. And it was somewhere, and there it was.
2: Because you were on a different platform, not on BTR. No, this was
0: way before BTR, and it was over the Internet. There was no phone lines calling in. the. Qu- I'm surprised the quality was so good. I was dialing in over, like, a, a crappy DSL line.
2: Yeah. Nicely done, Matthew, yeah. and here we are, 200 episodes we'll later. We'll post
0: this on the I2Y uh, Facebook page if you guys want to download it and just laugh your ass off at how Nubian everything was back then, but
2: big deal. Twitter. And you go on for a solid hour, you and one guest?
0: Yeah. In fact, the entire first two years before Carol Rosenthal came on, before you came on, right. I wrote a monologue for every show. There are like 90 monologues out there of me <laughs> ranting about something I hated for a year and a half or 2 years. Dear Velcro. I know.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that might have been one of them. But in all seriousness, it was I'm I'm so humble and privileged and we thank our listeners and we thank our our fans and we thank everybody and a huge thanks to and, Lisa uh, our and listeners, our Carol guests, Rosenthal, and all guests, all the people that made this possible. Absolutely. Just just extraordinary, just extraordinary. Amanda well, Freeman. Amanda Freeman, James, James Manning, Spencer Gifts, Spencer Spencer Gifts and the one and only Chad Whitman.
2: Mr. Chad Whitman,
0: Mr. Chad Whitman, rest in peace, my All friend. All right, Well
2: know we've had a lot of terrific people on the show. Yes. Eric, too. Erica, go. I'm pronouncing her last name. Erica, Goh. Yes. Paul. Y- yep. Um yes. Some who've been with us, who've 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 passed, who we think about a lot, and we, I mean, really, the show, the guests that we've had, the young survivors that we've had, have been phenomenal. Um, every every one of them.
0: We've rarely Tremendous had a bad guest. show. I mean, if they go back 200 shows. I well, we've had a really...
2: bad show from our end, but from not from their end. <laughs> <laughs> they've all they've all held up. Falling with style. They've they've held up their end of the bargain. Very nice. To be sure.
0: Well, we have. I'd like to welcome James Manning for us and Kenny came back to the studio, gentlemen. Well, gentlemen, hello. hello. And we have a special live in studio special live in studio guest. This is going to be Melanie Stevenson from the organization DoSomething.org. Hello, Melanie. Hello. Into the mic. Hello. Much better. Thanks. We we make fun of people who can't do that. <laughs> um, Melanie, what the hell is DoSomething.org?
6: DoSomething.org is uh, one of the largest organizations in the U.S. for young people and social change. We design campaigns that young people can participate in that uh, never require money, a car, or an adult. Each month it's focused on new causes, and we just launched our Give Us Bit About Cancer campaign. It's all about signing up for the Bone Marrow Donor Registry.
0: Now, give a spit. Mm-hmm. That sounds very familiar to a token euphemism.
6: <laughs> that it does. It's cheeky. Uh, we are asking. <laughs> <You> <laughs> it's like that, cheeky. Right? <laughs> Get it? Uh, we, okay. we have a really vast. Use... They're clever people over there. Are you there. people? Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're, we're proud they of our, our wit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, all we're asking for is some cheek cells from hopefully tens of thousands of college students. Uh, 18 to 24 year olds are actually the donors most needed on the registry, so we uh, are mobilizing our networks to run Give a Bit drives on their campuses, and we have 250 drives signed up already.
2: Awesome! You know, I remember when Andrew Shue started Do Something. Yeah. Back in the day, Mr. The Melrose, actor,
0: pl- the actor, of the, course, Ms. Elizabeth Shue's brother, Elizabeth Shue's brother,
2: the Dreamboat, Mr. Melrose Place. He is
6: the founder of Do Something.
0: I did not know that.
2: You knew that. I did know that.
6: (laughs) Back in 1993. There you go. He wanted uh, volunteering to be just as cool as joining the soccer team, which we still believe in.
2: Because he's a big soccer player. Yeah. He's a soccer dude. He's very cute. He's an actor. And he got the whole thing off the ground. He got a lot of press at the time. And look at this, the fact that they're still around and doing as well as they
0: are. They're doing something. They are. You ever get that? They are doing something. Doing something, right?
6: We get that every day. I, I'm sure. <laughs> it never gets old, though. I mean, it's funnier every time, really.
0: It's so funny. Every your, your CEO is someone I envy. I don't know if she's going to listen to the show, but you can force her to now that we have it archived on iTunes. But Nancy Lebelin is a hero of mine. She's a consummate CEO in the nonprofit world. She's everywhere she wants to be, like Visa or is that MasterCard? I Hopefully see her name. Neither
6: of them are your sponsors. Uh,
0: no, I, <laughs> not, we, we don't, not don't Anna. We don't have sponsors. Well, the other two? yeah. <laughs> We have a credit union in Bumblefuck.
2: (laughs) We have, like, uh, the Bad News Bears, Chico's Bail Bonds. Yes, exactly,
0: exactly. But, yes, Nancy is a hero to me. She is an amazing nonprofit leader, and everywhere I see her name, I'm like, wherever she's at, they're in for a treat.
2: She had a terrific piece in the Times written about her within the past year, I want to say. Is that right?
6: Yeah, not to uh, pat the rest of the organization on the back, but it was definitely about the direction that we're we're all headed. uh, And, you know, with her leadership, she's really steering us. In a direction of, of mobile, um, we are using text right. messaging. That's to, right. That's I remember, yep. Yeah, and actually through this campaign, you can text SPIT to 38383, and we'll get you all signed up to run a bone marrow d- uh, donor registration drive on your campus. So all of that can be done via text message. Excellent. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely moving in a... Really cool direction. And this campaign, actually, we couldn't run without our partners at DKMS and Be the Match. They're providing all the swab kits and all the training to college students completely free.
2: That's a great and very easy thing to do. And, no. you know, we were in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, by the way.
6: Oh wow. We just have to
2: toss that in. Nancy. And, and,
0: and, and Nancy was a guest on the Stupid Cancer Show twice.
2: Yeah. I was here once at least when yes. she was here. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we are fans of one
2: another. So what is what is does, does Andrew Hsu still do something, or does he do nothing?
6: Andrew, Andrew Hsu is definitely still involved. He's uh, on the board, and he comes to all of our events. He's a big spokesperson for the organization, and so he's definitely still a friend and fan and pops in from time to time. We get to see how handsome he still is. Right, so.
2: he's, a, he's a dreamy one. Yeah. <laughs>
6: yeah. So he's definitely still involved uh, and a great supporter.
2: Great.
0: Tell him I loved him in that movie he did.
6: <laughs> okay.
2: No, I liked Elizabeth in Adventures in Babysitting.
0: Wasn't she in Leaving Las Vegas also? Yes. Okay, that Amelia I liked because Nick Nick Cage died.
2: Yep. (laughs) That's why you liked it. So a lot happened this weekend before we were going to get to our guest, Breast Cancer Action, but I'd say uh, there's lots of stuff happening. Occupy Wall Street is still happening. I'm
0: occupying the radio show now. You are? Yes.
2: And it's gone national. It's all over the place. Even so much that I read that Ben & Jerry's is now officially supporting Occupy Wall Street, and somebody said that they should um, have an ice cream called Chocupy Wall Street. Ooh. Yeah.
0: That's some creative people down there. Now
2: you would be into it if they had ice cream.
0: I'm already into it. Oh, okay. I just only thought they like delay my bus ride home. Yeah. Because they're occupying the road. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are. You can occupy anything but the road. They're occupying care. more than just Wall Street. Yes, exactly.
0: exactly. Yeah. But, Oh, and, and the big news of the week, and we can talk about this later or next week, because this is a big, 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 big deal. I'm very proud of it. Um, California passed legislation that officially makes it illegal for minors to go to tanning booths.
2: I thought you were going to talk about Kim Kardashian's wedding.
0: Um, California has passed a law <laughs> that makes it illegal to care about Kim Kardashian.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. A big, 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 big deal.
0: Right. So, literally, if you're under 18, they card you now at tanning salons in California. They card you like a bar. And if you're under 18, you cannot tan. It is illegal. Yeah, that's huge. That gets the same applause as our 200th anniversary. But anyway, let's get to our our, uh, our special guests in the spotlight here. Wow, well, we're
2: running really behind, aren't we? That's okay. It's a good show. It's 200th it says, episode, it's bitches. Sh- it's a good show, says us.
0: All right. Another mother-daughter pair from last week. Mother-daughter pair last oh, week.
1: It's
0: a big deal. We would like to have a family affair. <laughs> All right. Marissa Levesque is the president and founder of Pink Insurance, a nonprofit organization with the mission of funding genetic testing for individuals at high risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer, she herself is a reviver at, uh, at 23 years old and a young mother. She underwent a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction. And finally, she carried a mutation in BRCA1. She lowered a risk for, uh, of approximately 90% down to less than 2% of a diagnosis. She started Pink Insurance to help other high-risk individuals. And her mother, Kim Jutras, is on the line. Kim Jutras, mother of Marissa Levesque, age 46, is a two-time breast cancer survivor first diagnosed as a young adult at age 32. Surgery, chemo, radiation, will, and family support pulled her through it 10 years later. A totally new cancer entered into the picture with the same result. strong believer in Marissa's nonprofit organization. If she'd have known her odds earlier, she'd have made the same decision. And we are privileged to have them here on the show during breast cancer, nausea week. Um, Marissa Levesque, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name right, Kim Jutras. Marissa, Kim.
7: Hello.
0: Good evening, ladies.
2: Hi, hi to both of you.
7: Good evening. How are you?
0: Am I saying the name's right? Living. It's
7: pretty close. <laughs> D- Dutris? I've seen it butchered worse. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, we have.
0: <laughs> I've got to pretend you were Spanish. at your thoughts or something. <laughs> No, so, uh,
7: you didn't do bad. <laughs> well, I,
0: I think I, I'm not sure how I found you guys, but I, I, I always find it so compelling when there's a family there's a family affair. Where one person's story is really extraordinary, but when there is a sort of a familial cause into why things happen and what inspires whom, and how people really stick together under one passionate cause. I was really moved by that, and I'm thrilled to have you both on the show. So let's just get right to it. Um, Kim, we'll start with Mom. Because you were diagnosed with breast cancer as a young adult uh, 14 years ago, correct? Correct. Back in the dark ages of 1994.
3: Yes, when they weren't giving you all the uh, information that we have out there now.
0: Were you misdiagnosed?
3: Uh, No, no. Um, You know, it was a lump that was found. And uh, we went right down the road, you know, hurry up and wait for your surgery. Hurry up and wait to start chemo and radiation. Uh, you know, at age 32, you're not looking for it. My mom had ovarian cancer, not breast cancer, so we weren't primarily looking at me for that at that age. And I think they just started now saying it's coming younger and younger and younger. It's hitting the, you know, the female world even worse now than it was before, but I don't think we knew enough then
2: yeah so kim when you when you talk about that when you say you didn't know enough i mean at the at the time, even when you were diagnosed uh and you said they just kind of gave you the surgery and you moved forward, talk to us about that. I mean, what are the kinds of questions did you have, or what do you feel looking back now that they omitted?
3: Well, you know back then, it was a small lump. they said they caught it early um I did get two opinions and both the opinions you know I did receive were reputable doctors and they said no we're going to just do a lumpectomy because you're lo- you're young they're into the breast conservation right more or less um if i don't know i personally wish i had did the double mastectomy like my daughter did a long time ago
2: yeah i I think you know it's it's funny when they call that term uh breast conservation surgery, which is now what they do call the lumpectomy some women have a have a perfectly fine time with that, and sometimes I think some women find it misleading where their breast actually doesn't get that conserved in in regard you know and 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 it can come out they can think that their breast might be more intact than it actually is and I think that fortunately there's also some reconstruction for that for some women who are not happy with the situation. But I find it interesting that they do tend to call it breast breast conservation surgery. Um sounds very like
0: just, like national redwood forest preservation language. Yeah. Like green
3: <laughs> It, or it something. is it's misleading. I yeah. think it's definitely misleading. I you know I'd rather have quality of life than breasts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quality of life surgery, please.
2: <laughs> where can I where can I get that?
3: Yeah, and who knew ten years later, a whole separate strain in the opposite breast would happen. And you know, we thought it was a reoccurrence,
2: but they said it was a completely different and new cancer. Correct.
0: We we have this conversation often. It's very hypothetical, of course, because I wouldn't want to be the person enacting the conversation. But how many parts of our body could we live without? <laughs> We'd just be like stumps of footballs running around, like, not running, like, lobbing around. With what, How many body it. parts can we eliminate to live and who, not
3: get cancer? Who today?
2: wants to really be the um, the test run for that? <laughs> <laughs> not fighting hey, volunteers. Boxing Helena.
3: I think they I take more body parts out of women than men.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would agree We're, with that.
3: Yeah. So you had a... So my so mom had ovarian cancer, and I had early-onset signs of that as well, so I had a full hysterectomy at 34. You did? Oh, yeah.
2: And was that the same... So where was that timed with your breast cancer?
3: It was two years after.
2: After the second diagnosis?
3: No, the first diagnosis. Okay.
2: And then you had the second diagnosis, and what kind of surgery and treatment did you have for the second breast cancer diagnosis?
3: Uh, Same as the first, a lumpectomy. And, you know, I think back now... I don't know why I, I, I just didn't want to go through anymore right. I wanted to make it quick And, you know, all I could think of Was the reconstruction And the, the mastectomy I was already hurting from the first bout Right The ramifications it, from the chemo And the radiation I'm still feeling them, you know You are Oh, yeah, side effects the gift I that I really... keeps on giving
2: What kind of symptoms do you have today This many years out?
3: Oh, I've got full neuropathy yeah. I've got, um Bad bones, really bad. Had to have all my teeth removed at age 46 from the chemo and the radiation. They said it's both.
2: I'm sorry, you said your te- teeth? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you've, yeah, you've had uh, certainly uh, unfortunate lingering effects, effects there.
3: Oh, yeah. I think the bones and the everyday pain is, is enough.
0: That's why yeah, I'm glad we,
3: Marissa did
0: what she did. Well, let's talk about that. Marissa, you were 23. How old were you, Mom, when Marissa was 23?
3: 22 uh, years ago, so 44. Okay, okay. <laughs>
0: now, we, we've done shows on the BRCA1 gene. We've done shows on palliative mastectomies. We've done shows on, you know, the, the pros, the cons, the controversies, the policies, the public health I- I- issues around that. Uh, was this something you were aware of as a talking point in healthcare prior to making the decision, or did you do your own research, or it was just something like, you know what, I'm not even going to talk about it, lob them off?
7: Yeah, that was pretty much my view. I had, you know, I don't even know how I first heard about even having the option to be tested, um, but it just came to point one day where I decided to do it. I was 22 at that point. And I already knew, you know, what it was going to come back as. I just had that that gut instinct. So when it did come back, it, it wasn't a shock. You know, it did hit me a little while after that, but I stomped right into my mother's surgeon's office and demanded to hear my surgical options, and I didn't get a good response. He, you know, again, she mentioned he's kind of a conservationist, and he is a reputable surgeon in our area, but he kept saying, you know, you're you're so young, you're not married, you want more children, and that really wasn't a concern of mine. I just wanted to be done with it and, you know, get rid of it, let me start over. <laughs> I know it'll be a long road, but it'll be worth it just to have that peace of mind and, you know, lowering your risk from 90% down to 2 That that can take a large weight off your shoulders, um, and well, he didn't really give me my options. I had to fight for them, but... Got well, it done in the long run.
2: Having children, though, I mean, other than breastfeeding, you wouldn't be affected having children,
7: right? And I, I have a, my daughter is seven now, and oh. I had never breastfed her. I had no interest, you know. Now yeah. that I can't, maybe it would be nice, <laughs> yeah. but it's, I want to be alive for my kids. I don't want to be going through what I had to witness as a child and those worries.
2: Sure. So I mean, it's funny too. I mean, Kim, actually, I'm I'm about your age and was diagnosed with breast cancer 16 years ago, and so I completely empathize with your story and know that back then also, I mean, I, nobody talked to me about gene testing back then at all. I only recently went back to be gene tested, really, and, and well, with some
3: know,
2: trepidation. But <laughs> yeah, so you I. Know, it was
3: brought up. It was brought up. It was fairly new at the time. Yeah, it was right before I had my hysterectomy, and it was. You had to pay for the whole thing. They wanted, uh, like, $2,800 up front. Right, sure. And I was like, obviously I have the gene, (laughs) you know, Mm. so.
7: Yeah.
2: What is your... But her
7: surgical plan would have been different if she had been tested.
2: Absolutely. That's what's
7: so important for, for women who are diagnosed these days with the options out there to get tested right away because they're, again, rushing you off to surgery. They need to know what surgery to do. So you don't develop a new strain like she did.
2: That's an excellent point. Real, that's an
7: excellent so, point. So I want
0: to talk a little about your organization, Pink insurance, because uh, you you happen to be, or let me ask the question then: What percentage of young women opt for a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy or a prophylactic mastectomy at that um, because their mother had breast cancer? Is it a hundred percent, or are there women that just say, "I don't even care about it. I don't want them. I don't need them. Take them off."
7: Well. I can't give you an exact number, but I can tell you uh, based on my research and conversations with my surgeons, its I hate to use the word, but it's a trend right now. It's starting to catch on that these younger women especially are seeing that they can close that chapter and move on and build their lives, have families, and not worry about it so much. Um, there are other options, and especially with pink insurance. Um, Where we come into play is when you have that blood test drawn, it's sent out to Myriad Genetics, and they don't even pre-screen you for insurance or anything. They're receiving the blood first, and then they go through that, and then they're going to give you a call and say your insurance won't cover it, or you have a deductible, can you afford that $3,000 deductible anyway, Uh, whatever their reason may be, um, and ask you to pay out of pocket. And many, many women cannot do that for, for any reason, Uh, So then, you know, they need to be directed to Pink Insurance because we will provide that funding uh, and help them get access to that because once you're tested, you open a lot of doors to options, and you don't have to go the radical route that I did. Many, many women are now, but you can also open doors with your insurance to then cover your screening at a much younger age, your MRIs, your mammograms, you know, every six months, rotating those where... They don't even want to give you a mammogram until 40 now, but if what? you have that test to back it up, you'll you'll get the screening you need.
0: Is, is there a second conversation happening here about like I, I say, there's why is there a need to fund genetic testing? Shouldn't it be an entitlement? Oh, oh I agree. Be, yeah.
7: <laughs> here, here's what happens is insurance policies. Some of them have straight out exclusions in them that state no genetic testing. I had an 18-year-old girl call me. Her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer at 25 years old. She had five family members in her family that had already been uh, detected BRCA1, so she only needed a $400 test. And she was denied by her insurance because they told her once she's diagnosed already, then they will pay for it. it's too it late. When wow. Quit. That's, That's
0: unreal. That's like reverse entrapment. Yeah.
7: That's my problem.
0: That's why I are not yeah. the Get blood, Throwing the
3: blood and sending it before even saying they're going to do it. <laughs> it's like, okay.
0: <laughs> so what are the barriers then? What are the barriers for a young woman to know that there's financial support for this? How How do you reach young women who are, because it's just like a niche, within a niche Mm -hmm. effort to find the the, the needle in the haystack, so to speak. I mean, we work with the young adult community to begin with, and we're few and far between with all cancers. What do you see as the barriers to success to letting however many hundreds or thousands of young women opting for this know that they're eligible for financial assistance? Mm
7: -hmm. (laughs) Well, the organization is new. That's, you know, it's just getting started, so a lot of people are probably hearing about it for the first time right now. Um, I had started the organization while I was still going through my reconstruction, and I had a lot of complications. So I'd get it rolling, have to get tied up for a while again. You know, get it rolling, go back. Um, Trying to work together with Myriad uh, to try to get it out there. When they're making those calls and saying, you know, you need to pay out of pocket or come back when you can, We'll draw blood again, you know, no problem. Um, but they need to tell them that there may be help out there for you. If you qualify based on your medical and financial needs, then someone can help you. It's it's there. You know, it's just you gotta hit your market like you're saying, and that's why I was so thrilled when you asked me to participate in the show here. This was perfect for us. Um I am in Rhode Island, so it, it's, you know, primarily based in Rhode Island right now. Um uh, but are you hopefully exactly? if I can
2: Sorry, where exactly? I'm actually,
7: in Rhode I'm near Narragansett, right near the beach. Oh, great. Mhm. <laughs> so it's, you know, we're just branching out now. I'm working with another hospital, uh, New Bedford Rehabilitation Hospital in Massachusetts. They are putting on an event for me this month. Uh, so that'll be our first out-of-state event. But um, just trying to, like I said, the big thing, which I'm crossing my fingers for in every way possible, is to to work out a deal with Marriott. Um, you know, it just makes sense to partner together. Um, it'll help both parties, you know, and, and you have your your grounding with word of mouth and social media. I'm sure you guys know that to get it out there as much as possible. Any any way I can do it, I'm going to do it.
2: Well, you guys are doing a great job. You're you're fighting the good fight out there. We have to. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you. And we're running a little late, so we're going to have to wrap in just a minute. But before we go, so we're in October you guys are in the thick of everything and you look around and everything's pink, and we talk a lot about pink washing and pink nausea. What's your feeling about that in terms of getting the real message out there uh, versus completely covering commercialism. everything?
7: Commercialism.
2: <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> you said it there.
7: It's hard. Just like she said, everything is turning into a holiday. <laughs> you know, It's great for the awareness and everything, but You know, there's so many organizations out there And as, you know, a donor or a supporter Which one do you go with? It's hard to pick, you know, the right place To to devote your time, energy, and and funds Um, I think
3: breast cancer survivors, though It's like a constant reminder Yeah October comes and I get a little jittery I'm like, oh, everywhere You know, survivor plastered all over me It's like, I'm proud to be a survivor But I like to move on, too, you know (laughs) I,
2: I completely understand that it's tough. And then the flip side of it is, you know, I think anything that gets one month, you, I mean, we talk about, I think there's a disconnect often, as you're saying, between the pink and the message. But then also, you know, you have this one month, whether it's this or Black History Month or anything else, there are things that we should obviously be thinking about the entire year. And so you're right, it tends to become like a holiday when you just shower all these things, you know, all these things happen at just in, within one month.
7: My thing from day one with Pink Insurance was I do not want this to be your grandmother's breast cancer organization. I want to think out of the box. But it could be your mother's. On. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, same thing. But it's yeah. uh, like the next, if you go to causes.com slash Pink we're going to be throwing it up there, selling raffle tickets. We are uh, we had a custom chopper built, breast cancer themed chopper, Uh local shop here in Rhode Island did it. And, you know, that was a perfect opportunity. We're really excited to get that bike out there to help raise awareness and hopefully bring in some decent funds to give us a good head start going into the new year, too. Great. Well,
2: we thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Um, sorry thank we have too. to wrap it up, but uh, thanks to mom and daughter and uh, doing a terrific thing with Pink Insurance.
0: And congratulations thank on you all so your, your accomplishments. Good luck with everything, guys. Take care of yourselves.
3: Thank, thank you. you.
2: Thanks for joining us.
0: Okay. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, let's hit the news and get the ladies from Breast Cancer Action on the phone here. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce to our listeners a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, events, and services that we don't want you missing out on, and they're all free, and they're all just for young adults with cancer. Things like conferences, happy hours, retreats, kayaking, and mountain climbing trips, finance webinars, college scholarships, bar crawls, concerts, tweet-ups, support groups, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send us an email to info at stupidcancer.com, that's info, At stupidcancer.com. Lisa. Head
2: on over to events.stupidcancer.com, your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly don't want you missing out. What's coming up, Matthew?
0: Kenny? What's going on? What's uh, coming up,
2: Kenny? Thursday,
0: October 20th, uh, Denver Super Cancer Happy Hour. Monday, October 31st, North Carolina Halloween Spooktacular. And I know there's something down in North Carolina next week. Head on over to the Facebook group for that one. And, okay. no- and November 1st, Happy Hour in Chicago. November 1st, Happy Hour in Chicago. The uh, Stupid Cancer Forums have more than 900 members. This is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, and caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.com today and sign up with one click through Facebook.
2: All right, it's game on, everybody. The fifth annual OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults in Las Vegas at the Palms Casino Resort. Mark your calendars March 30th, 31st, and April 1st for an all-out weekend of insanely awesome programs, events, social networking, at the hippest annual event in all of cancer land. Visit the official site, omg2012.org, and get pumped for the most highly anticipated healthcare event of next year. Says us. Also check out the OMG Players Club, an exciting new fundraising challenge. If you can't afford it, you really got to check out the OMG Players Club. Yes, you do. You can raise money, and you can earn up to $600 in travel reimbursement. And you can win an iPad.
0: A big old iPad. I got
2: to enter that. And that...
0: Is it's your stupid, stupid cancer, cancer news? All right. You want Kim? I'll. You want Caitlin? You want Angela? I cannot think of a better intro lead song for these ladies than this.
3: <laughs> just because. I'm
0: speechless. All right, I'll take Kim. You can take uh, Caitlin and Angela. Go ahead, Matt. I'm waiting for the lyrics. As Breast Cancer Actions Program Manager, Kim Irish oversees the organization's programs and program-based campaigns and fosters and builds breast cancer actions, grassroots activities, and national presence. She graduated from the University of California, Davis, with degrees in comparative literature and Spanish, my, my majors, before attending the University of San Francisco School of Law.
2: Caitlin Carmody, she is the membership coordinator for Breast Cancer Action, and she keeps Breast Cancer Action members up to speed on all the news and ways they can take action to end this epidemic. She's a rabble rouser via social media, and she'll tell us more about that. And Angela Wall, she's Breast Cancer Action's communication manager. I'm fighting over this bad medicine, dude, man. We need to lower them a little bit. I got it. She works closely with Barbara to make sure that the voice. Uh, we don't have Barbara here. Nope. Barbara Brenner. Barbara, yes. She's a she's a big mock up, Barbara. Uh, to make sure that the voice of BCA is broadcast clearly and articulately to the public at large, she's a primary point of contact for media relations. Rice for and manages the production of the annual report, eAlert BCA's quarterly newsletter. She holds a PhD in cultural studies from the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Prior to BCA, she was a Britain teaching fellow at Georgia Institute of Technology, where she taught in the Department of Literature, Communication, and Culture, so she knows a lot here. She's very well-rounded. She's written and published on women's reproductive health, popular culture, and media, worked for four years as a strategic planner at Red Sky Interactive, a web-based ad agency. We're thrilled to help all of them here tonight. Please welcome the women from Breast Cancer Action.
0: Kimberly, Caitlin, and Angela, hello.
4: Hello. Hello. Thanks for having
0: us. Angela, I have to apologize I just realized that I I pulled your bio from last year because I didn't have a I new realized. one. So Bar- Barbara Brenner's no longer with BCA. She's uh she has um oh, I got that wrong too. No, me too. Sorry. And actually your new CEO is supposed to come on the show and uh unfortunately it's a Columbus Day holiday and we're horrible people yeah. for broadcasting tonight. Our so. bad. Yes.
5: That's true.
2: Italian Americans should be outraged everywhere <laughs> of which I'm part of. But what can you do? Our,
5: our new executive director is Karuna Jaga. And she would have been here, but she put her kids first,
2: for one. Fancy that. Kids
0: first. Come on. My <laughs> kids are home right now. <laughs> what is
5: that
2: about? Uh, She's got an excellent name, though. That's a very cool name. I well, agree. I mean,
0: it, I have to say, it, it is our 200th broadcast. It's season nine. We've been on the air for four years, and you guys have been on the show every single season.
1: Woo! All right. <laughs> Congratulations. It's like we have you the guys. secret
0: advocacy love affair and hatred for. Bureaucracy. <laughs> I uh, I've been inspired by your organization for many many years. I think everything that you do is is spot on. And again, it's just it's just, it's ironic that you happen to be the guests on the 200th episode of the show. Um, so so let's just let's kick it off by just saying like for the crowd out there that does not know who Breast Cancer Action is, why don't uh, one of you let us know?
5: Kim, do you want to pick that up?
4: Oh, sure. So, Breast Cancer Action is a national um, nonprofit. Uh, we're lo- based in San Francisco Bay Area, but we have members throughout the country. And we're really focused on um, a number of different priority areas, including putting patients first, um, eliminating um, social inequities related to breast cancer, and creating healthy environments. And we really are trying to inspire and compel the changes that are necessary to end the breast cancer epidemic.
2: So what is So tell us, like,
4: what are the three biggest issues that you're dealing with right now? Well, one of the biggest issues that we are dealing with right now, um, because partly because it's this time of year, October, is um, our Think Before You Pink campaign, and um, you know, particularly this year, we're focusing on. Um, we have this campaign that we've launched called Raise the Stink, um, and Raise the Stink is all about highlighting this um, perfume that the Susan G. Komen for the Cure. Organization put out um, that contains a couple of unlisted ingredients on it um, that are actually bad for women 's health and um, the bottle of perfume is pink of course, and um, we 're you know very concerned about the pink washing that 's happening with this perfume and that a breast cancer organization is not um, putting women 's health first so there's
2: a, there's a couple a couple of ingredients in this perfume that have been listed as toxic, or tell us a little bit more about that.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Go
5: ahead. Sorry, this is Angela jumping in. So they're actually, they're they're not listed on the ingredients list, and then they're also um, regulated as toxic and hazardous. And the two chemicals are our dear friend toluene, which is actually part of the toxic trio, which as we work, um, as Kim's work with the the Healthy nail Salons, um, it, it, it's one of the, the, the toxic ingredients that we want out of um, nail products. And then the second ingredient is galoxalide, Um and that is um, also a, a horrible, horrible thing. That's a uh,
1: um, uh, it's a synthetic um, thank you, Caitlin. It's a synthetic musk that acts as a hormone disruptor, which is in a class of chemicals that have been linked to a number of negative health negative health effects. And toluene, actually, we should note, is also banned by the International Fragrance Association.
2: So then you're saying that these uh, ingredients are not listed on the bottle itself?
1: No, and the only reason, actually,
5: we were able to find them was we sent the product off to be tested by an independent lab. And we, we'd we heard a lot of our members, and then we we, we were kind of you know trolling the blogs and and reading as we do the the breast cancer blogs um and a lot of women were really outraged about this idea that you know once again you know not quite october this i think this came out in may that once again there was another product coming out i think it's selling for like 59.99 or something and a dollar wow. 50 goes towards the Komen foundation you know, and, and women who are going through any kind of treatment for breast cancer have a real sensitivity to musks and fragrances. And so there was a whole number of issues that people were really concerned and outraged about, and it just kind of set off our little suspicion-o-meter. And so we, um, we sent it off to get tested, and the independent lab results came back with these kind of two ingredients. And, and I think you know, there's a couple of things that are egregious, about this and you know the the primary one being you know pink washing is bad for all our health right It, it puts profits before women's lives it's one thing when it's a large pharmaceutical or gasoline or diesel corporation that slapped a pink ribbon or painted their trucks pink in support of women with breast cancer or whatever it's another when it's susan g komen for the cure and they are the big kind of, you know, mountain of an organization that can seriously turn things around and could seriously make some real inroads in changing the direction that we're heading and that we're going in around women's health and breast cancer. And so this this campaign is actually, you know, so, so that was why we kind of really felt compelled to launch this campaign. So what's then, been, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was also going to say, you know, so one of the things that we are – I want to just get in here. I want to get a plug before we move too further, you know, into the conversation. I want to get a real plug in here for this campaign. We are pushing to send Coman letters. Um, 10,000 letters is what we're aiming at, right? And you can – anybody who's listening can go to our website, www.bcaction.org. There's a big – Banner sign up kind of component you can hit it to send to the send a letter page. We are looking for ten thousand letters to actually say to Com and look, take this recall this product it 's bad for women 's health and get behind the anti pink washing kind of you know the pink washing movement and stop partnering with people who have products uh, with ingredients that are bad for our health because as an organization with the clout that you have, you could seriously move some fucking mountains here and we. Mm. And and Coman could do this. They, they you know they've got the clout. They've got they're brilliant at galvanizing women, at bringing women together, at organizing people. They could make some serious change. They could take action and really make a difference.
2: So, so what other, let no. me just let me just stop you there and just ask the obvious question: Have you gotten any response back from Coman?
4: We, we actually have. We have. Um, we actually started by sending Coman a letter and some of their leadership and let them know about our concerns about this. And they have written back to us and let us know that, you know, while they didn't agree with our assessment, that they actually, you know, because they had heard from a number of consumers that they were that they all the consumers had concerns, they've decided to reformulate the product for next year when they plan to release it again, but. To, uh, and to us that, you know, that raises a number of concerns. Okay, so you're willing to reformulate it, but at the same time you're not letting the folks who have already purchased the product, who have it in their homes already and that are using it, that, you know, there may be some concerns about this. So that's one of our major issues. Um, and, you know, we, like Angela was saying, our our letter writing campaign to Komen is, that's our big push this month. We're really asking Everybody who can, we're to, our goal is to get 10,000 letters to Komen by the end of the month asking them to recall the perfume and let people know who have already purchased it that they need to, um, they that they should recall this so that it's not any longer on, on store shelves or in people's homes.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. In the past couple of years, you've always taken on a corporation. I think no better uh, example would be uh, Yoplait the bovine growth hormone, which is an epic win for everybody in the country. Uh, is this the first time you've gone after a specific charity?
4: It's actually not the first time. I mean, we we decided to last year. You guys, might I'm not sure if you remember or not, um, but we we actually did end up challenging the partnership that Komen had formed with um, KFC, or formerly known as Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh yes, yes. Um, the buckets yeah, the they they right. had this, pr- yeah, they had this partnership where they were promoting um, pink buckets. Buckets for the Cure is what they called it, and it was pink buckets of fried chicken. Um, And we, you know, we questioned whether that was a really um, a great way to sort of move forward this cause. And, you know, we're doing it again this year because we just don't think that Comin is really thinking through their partnerships and with the products that they're partnering with or the products that they're commissioning and selling. They're not really putting people's health first before the, um, you know, the money that's coming in. And that's really one of our big concerns. You know, a women's health, um, especially a breast cancer organization, should really be thinking about what are the implications of these products. So the, I'd like
1: the, to add also that we don't particularly enjoy um, being on Komen's ass all the time, but <laughs> ah, Pink has always is this, been is about... This a, is this
2: Caitlin? And, Sorry, we should identify who's right, speaking here. Right, this is here.
1: Caitlin. Yeah. Um, our Think Before You Pink campaign has always been about transparency and accountability and putting women's health first, and we think that if a nonprofit is not doing that, they are not exempt from being called out That's on their right. lack of transparency and accountability. And we also think, you know, the reason we run this is campaign is to um, hold people accountable, but also because we think that um, pinkwashing actually distracts from the real issues that are um, that we need to address to actually end the epidemic and um, kind of gets in the way of us actually joining together to take some real action instead of just buying things.
2: You know, I want to ask you about this, too, because this is the other place that I'm seeing lots of pink, just to switch gears a little bit here, too. Um, have you guys thought or addressed at all the National Football League? Because they, I think it's just the second year in a row now. Mm-hmm. You watch these guys play football. The NFL has done this major, um, is it the American Cancer Society, I actually can't recall at the moment which organization they've paired with, but these bright pink mm, yeah. yes, running shoes and all this stuff that they're wearing during these games, which I have to say, as a breast cancer survivor myself, looks absolutely ridiculous. And talk about a disconnect there. Exactly. You know, it, just, it just looks like a joke. Yeah, I, mean, I it saw really last looks night in like a joke. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it just looks silly. It's like, you know...
0: Men, 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 men. Or drag queens,
4: drag queens, drag queens. Well, queen, I mean, and, I, no, I think it goes no, but, to the issue of awareness again. I mean, it, it seems like... You know, when you see things like this, that's really what I think that a lot of these pink ribbon promotions or wearing pink um, has, that's what they're offering. They're really trying to promote awareness. But something that Breast Cancer Action has always challenged is that there's enough awareness. People are aware of breast right. cancer and yeah. that it's a problem. And I think by by focusing so much on wearing pink or buying pink ribbon products, like Caitlin was just saying, it's distracting us from the real issues. We can't buy our way out of breast cancer. It's not going to happen. We have to look at the environmental causes of cancer and really put money, research funding into that, and in the other real issues like the, the, you know, giving better treatments for people with metastatic disease, and a lot of the things that get ignored.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think that, and not to beat up too much on the NFL here, and not to mail bash at all, but I do, not. I can't help but think that it's an easy way. Look. Women get screwed in a lot of areas in life. They don't make as much money. <laughs> you know, they don't have equal rights in many ways. And I feel like it's such an easy knee-jerk. Everyone likes breasts. You know, like it, is, it isn't at an epidemic proportion. I feel like it's such an easy knee-jerk way to assuage any kind of guilt, and particularly, mm-hmm. and particularly male guilt, against the crap that happens to women you know, in their lives. And I just, you know, I just feel like it's sort of an an, e- an easy out in in many regards in that way. Not across the board, but in specific circumstances, I can't help a, but think that.
5: This mm-hmm. is Andrew, and I, you know, and I think you know, it's it's not, you know, it's it's interesting that it's the NFL and it's, it's, it's a guy thing, and I think there definitely is a really interesting conversation to be had about the fact that it's breasts and, and breasts are, you know, it, this, this sexualization of of kind of a disease and, and blah, 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 blah. Save but, the Tatas. Save the Tatas, right. boobies, boozes for boobies or whatever. You know, but I, I really think the bigger issue is that this is what pink has allowed us to do. And, you know, and if you take pink washing as like, you know, the, 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 the brush stroke, you know, if you think about this, right, Pink has enabled us to literally brush over with this huge swath of pink all the conversations and issues of what is really going on. Because what we see when we see people, you know, team members from the NFL running out on the pitch, we see pink, we see the game, we see these men trying to do something. But we never actually think, what are they actually doing? What are they actually doing to change What is happening this year from what was happening five years ago, ten years ago, you know, and it's like, okay, well, people get aware, and so they'll go for their mammograms. Great. What we know about mammograms is that they will detect a tumor that's already there. They won't prevent you from getting breast cancer. They're not um, a foolproof mechanism. Women get screened and then find their lump or their tumor on their own through a self-exam. There's nothing that all this pink actually doing it doesn't do anything in terms of getting us to take action and move forward so that future generations of women and men face a different breast cancer academic than the ones that
1: we face and actually well this is caitlin i will say that that hasn't always been true the pink ribbon was enormously important for putting breast cancer on the women's health map it's just that we need to move past it now Yeah. So, what would be?
2: So, what is your ideal? If we still had a breast cancer month, because it seems like that's not going to go away, what does your ideal month look like? (laughs) In terms of effectiveness. In fact, in terms of effectiveness. I'm sorry.
5: I have an answer. This is Angela. So, you know, and I've thought about this for a while. It would be, you know, if if everything was, you know, to start off, you know, the first phase of it would be, right, if we've got, you know, pink everywhere, it would be for every woman to, to read the ingredients of every single product that we buy and refuse to buy, refuse to consume anything that was remotely linked to a health hazard. And that means anything that's not been proven safe. Right. If you adopt the precautionary principle and you kind of follow the idea of when women's health is concerned, why do we take the risk? So, you know, if my first thought would be for October, withdraw withdraw your spending power, and we just see how much money is actually withdrawn, and then think about what we could do with that money to do things to actually improve, the, you know, research metastatic breast cancer, improve screening, look at the links between genetics and environmental, you know, how, how, how cancer cells work in relation to the external environment as opposed to, the, you know, the
4: biological environment of the body. So that's my input. Kim and Caitlin, I don't know if you have other... Well, not. Yeah, I mean, another big thing. This is Kim. I would love to see is the the all the dollars that are spent on pink ribbon promotions. You know, from the companies, even just by putting them on their products and stuff, um, and people, and the power or the and the time that it takes to sort of the way how we spend thinking about this and what we do and analyze about this. I would love to see all that that people power put into actually changing. Um, the way, the changing the laws that govern some of, of of these products. So, for instance, like passing the Safe Chemicals Act or the Safe Cosmetics Act, um, those are both in Congress right now and they are incredibly important, um, you know, policy changes that would make the products that we, say, that we use every day safer and the environments that we live in healthier. And I think that would actually result, you know, in safer and healthier environments for everyone. And I what think would, that's really critical.
2: I, I totally agree with you. What would you say? Because we've talked about We've had cosmetic companies on and, and cosmeticians and people who are trying to come up with ways to make safer cosmetics, and a lot of them will say, we're trying to do this, but, you know, it's difficult. I mean, uh-huh. the stuff that's been used for cosmetics, it's 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 not so easy right. to come up with other ingredients that still work in terms of a cosmetic or a fragrance or whatever it is. And are still cheap. Yeah, and are affordable. Right.
4: I mean I think my answer would just be that you know there there in Europe there's you know much stronger protections for people's health related to cosmetics and other products and I think if it can be done over there it c- it should be able to be done here and so I would think I would just put the onus on the companies like and maybe it is a little more expensive but I mean it's really important for all of our health that I think that should take precedence over how much it's costing them
5: I have a it's question. Not as expensive as the health bill for um, 40,000 women who are um, being treated for breast cancer. Yeah. Well, that that's true. Yes. And then and, and to your
2: point, right? If they're going to take the money and use it towards making everything pink, it's right? You re- definitely money to fund. make a safer
4: product. Yep. Yeah. The money is there; they're just not using it in the right way. Always. So mom, know, and they always
5: they always somehow manage to get the research done to find the ways to sell the products. So I actually have real faith in the corporations that when it's a case of making money, they will find the way to sell to make the product.
2: Yeah.
0: Matthew, go ahead. Okay. So my question is, has anyone ever actually measured the impact of pink cause marketing having made any remote remedial difference in any one specific agenda item?
4: Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm racking my brain. Mm.
0: Like has is there any way this is sort of a lofty empirical philosophy here? Yeah. Has anyone watched a football game, saw a guy in a pink jersey,
2: <laughs> and, gotten and, a, and
0: gotten a
4: mammogram went to a mammogram
0: <laughs> the next day?
4: I don't think you can... That's not possible. Yeah, I, mean, I don't that. know if, if anybody's it's ever true. made anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and
5: I bet there is, I mean, I bet there's a, a cumulative kind of relationship, right, where, you know, I mean, I, I, I read earlier this year, you know, there's this big celebration that more women than ever are getting their mammograms. You know, and... and that's the issue right there, right? It's like we shouldn't be, we're looking to take care of this after the horse has bolted right. out the stable, And it's like, why, are we do, why aren't we? Why are we looking to prevent this happening in the first place? And, and I, one of the simple, you know, kind of the simple answers is, you know, because it, it, there's too much revenue riding on it, too many profits associated with it. I mean, and that's a simplistic answer. But I think, you know, if we actually looked for more, better regulatory systems if we adopted something like the precautionary principle, which would which would put the onus again on corporations and manufacturers rather than consumers and women, you know, individuals around pink products and women, you know, um, breast cancer specifically women, if we put the onus on corporations to prove that products were safe before they went out to market, we would go a long way in kind of looking to, to be able to measure what those differences were. I believe. And you we know,
1: Matt, your your question is an interesting one because it, um, you know, it. It asks, has a pink ribbon ever made an individual act in a way that might protect their health, which is what the pink ribbon is all about. But it's really, really messed up that what that has done is told women, do everything right and you won't get breast cancer. And unfortunately we hear from a lot of members of breast cancer action who are like, I ate organic food. I ran every day. I maintained a healthy weight. I have never had a drop of alcohol, I've never yeah. had a drugs. Why the hell do I have breast cancer? And right. breast cancer is not a genetic issue for my family. Yeah.
5: It's
4: a big one. Yeah. And it's really and it's not. Overwhelmingly it's not. There's a very small percentage of women who um, True. that's yeah, that's the you know, the factor. But it's it, there's a huge percentage that where it's suspected that it's environmental factors.
1: Less than half of all breast cancer cases have um, have known causes. The rest we have no idea.
4: So how there's would you so, guys so respond? How learn.
0: how would how do you respond then when I hear rhetoric going around saying, Well, if one person saw one guy wearing a pink scarf at a football game and checked themselves, we're, we're and p- they got diagnosed. It's all about that one person. Think we're Is so it a lot of shit?
2: We're so
1: past that at roll this my point, eyes. you
2: think? Sorry. Angela, who was that chiming in?
1: Sorry, that was Caitlin. I was just oh, Caitlin. Uh, using Matt. We
5: have a huge jet flight over, so we're having some... Here- there you go, it's gone now. <laughs> um, You know, and I'm going to quote Barbara Brenner, our former executive director on this, and she used to, you know, she was often posed this question, and her response would be, you know, we have to stop thinking, you know, this is an epidemic. We have to stop thinking that because the ones and twos and three people benefit, that somehow this is something we need to put all our funding into it and, and start looking in that direction because clearly, you know, this is an epidemic. We need to start seeing the results when it's like in the thousands, when thousands of people have a different outcome. And, 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 the, you know, and the thing that, the, the, one of the big issues that Breast Cancer Action has had along the way with Pink Ribbons and, and a lot of the, the kind of, um, the organization, the breast health organizations that will say, you know, get your mammogram. It's about individuals taking the responsibility for themselves. This is not about individuals looking out for themselves. If we are going to really make some changes, we have to start looking out for everybody and we have to start making the system-wide changes that benefit everybody because me getting a mammogram won't prevent Caitlin or Kim or you, Lisa, or you, Matt, from getting breast cancer, right? But if we do something system-wide to maybe look at the environmental issues, look at prevention, get better treatments, you know, there's... We, we have a hope in hell of of making a difference.
1: And if also, someone, a huge I'm sorry, part of that is um, when we talk about breast cancer awareness, I Barbara has pushed us to always ask, what are we aware of? And one thing that I don't think many people are aware of is how little research money there is—billions of dollars in breast cancer research—but how little of that money actually goes to researching. Um, how to stop women um, from getting metastatic breast cancer and dying from metastatic breast cancer, because that's what women die of when they have breast cancer. And less than 2% of research funding currently goes to that, and that has to change.
2: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the whole pig, pink ribbon movement never went to pink ribbon 2.0. Right, you It's know, right. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. it, it started yeah, off as a great way of putting it, and it's like we're aware, we get it now the next phase, and that hasn't come. And and you're right about the preventive stuff. I mean, this country, we don't pra- we barely practice preventive medicine at all. You know, we're not, mm-hmm. we don't do Chinese medicine, you know, where they're thinking about what you can put in your body before the fact. It's it, it, I mean, that's, that's almost a, a revamping of our entire, you know, medical system here. Right,
0: exactly.
5: Yeah, and I, I yep. want to just, sorry, this is Angela. I want to kind of put an addendum to that because, you know, I, I think there is, you know, because especially breast cancer action has, you know, come down on pink and pink washing, and, and, you know, which we will always do, and I, I think it's important that we do, but we also firmly and strongly recognize that pink and the awareness campaign really moved us from a place where breast cancer was stigmatized, where women couldn't talk about it, where they felt like they were a failure, where they couldn't have conversations with their doctors, with their friends. It's moved us from that place. But like anything else, I mean, just as you said, Lisa, you know, the two, we need the next version. And the next version isn't awareness, it's action. And it's taking action around, you know, moving this forward so that we do something so that everybody benefits, not just me personally from getting a mammogram or free mammograms for everybody mm-hmm. or a law that makes it so that we can all get our mammograms for free. We need, we need the regulations to actually start to put a dent in this epidemic and stem the tide and look at the reasons why so many women are, are, are developing metastatic breast
4: cancer. And, and something everybody can do right now, all the listeners, is, is send a letter to Komen today. You can go to Breast Cancer Actions' website. We're trying to get 10,000 letters, and that will make a difference. We think that Komen will listen to us if we can get our, you know, our voices to collectively together, have a very strong unified voice, and try to get the perfume recalled so that it's not putting people's health in danger.
5: Because they can turn down 1,500. Currently, we've got 2,000 people who send letters, and, and they, they they can ignore 2,000 of us. But I think they'd have a really hard time ignoring 10,000 women.
2: I think you're right. I love the show because these women are always so impassioned. Yes. They have a lot to say. <laughs> They're on it. Wait. <laughs>
4: uh, my, my last they question was... You yeah. should be at our staff meetings. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine. Hey, I almost had
0: dinner with all of you about about six months ago, so I will make that happen next I can't time. Even imagine these,
2: I can't even imagine these women drunk. <laughs> Wait, they're drunk right
0: now. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> how, how, but you, I'd like to see it. i got a question for
0: you guys. How has the media and the press responded to your campaigns? Are they actually acti- a- out there actively calling out these... Uh, Sort of these uh, specific issues to the public?
5: Which specific? What well, do you mean specifically with the Promise Me perfume or with like with the KFC and the Bucket for the Cure and all that? Well, kind yeah, of like
0: stuff? the Yo Play and the KFC. I mean, oh, yeah. have you gotten a lot of media attention on this?
5: Yeah, I mean, we we get it. I mean, um, it's been interesting because the Raise Stink campaign, um, you know, we've we've had some big. You know, we've had some calls from large media corporations who are looking to do kind of one-hour news shows that they're in the process of making that are going to be released in October. We've had that kind of interest, and we've had interest that, you know, because this is about challenging the science and because the science around harmful products and chemicals in, you know, in, in the, the, the science around products is not kind of um, clear cut, so there's no there's kind differing
4: of, opinions on all yeah. of it. So there's
5: no consensus. There's no scientific consensus, and so it's like on climate said, change,
4: <laughs> right?
5: What we've had is a lot of people picking this up, and kind of they're they're nervous to pick up this story. Al well, Komen says one thing, but we say another, and so they think it's a he says she says
1: kind of stuff. And it's actually this is Caitlin jumping in. It's actually much. I think what the media hasn't quite gotten to the nuance of is the difference in how we view who the onus is on when it comes to chemicals that may harm our health. Breast cancer action has always followed the precautionary principle, which says if there is evidence that it's harmful, pull it, because waiting for absolute proof is killing us. And Komen doesn't have. I will say that that is not, you know, the mainstream media's understanding of chemicals and chemical like. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that kind of nuance about it is it's not just about the perfume. It's about, like, when do we take chemicals out because they might harm our health, and we take much more of a precautionary approach. And it's actually when you send a letter to Komen, which I hope everyone is doing right now, we're actually asking them to sign um, a pledge to prevent pinkwashing, which would commit them to a precautionary approach, which we think is the one that is best for women's health.
5: Yes. Yeah. Just as Caitlin said. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, right. I, I got to tell you guys, we could go on and on for probably a week and a half, and I'd love every second of it. You could, I promise you, you will be on our 250th show, regardless of what part of the year it I is. I hope
4: so. Yeah.
0: And I, Lord I pledge set. to have dinner with all of you next time I'm in San Francisco. Oh, to me too. Great.
2: Don't leave me out. No, I mean, anytime we can, Matt. That'd be great.
0: You, you can buy all of us dinner. Uh, <laughs> we will.
2: <laughs>
0: no, I'm. I can't tell you from guys, one from
2: one nonprofit to another. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, again, I mean, I
0: say this with so much pride and 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 appreciation for you guys. Are such a fierce, like, like unforgivingly structured nonprofit organization. You know exactly what your mission is. You know exactly how to get things done. And you're a testament to what I'd like to see our organization model itself after. We, we rally our cool. troops, we get them pissed, we channel their anger, and we foster change. Kudos to you guys. Beautiful. Thank you. Right back uh, at you.
5: We always love coming on here. So what we would love for you to do is really rally those people and get them pissed off so they send <laughs> a letter to because we, we really want to make our 10000 by the end of October. And people like your listeners, and that's you, all you people listening, you can make that difference. So if you want to take one action this October, make this your action that might actually change the future of the breast cancer epidemic.
2: All right, folks, again, their website, bcaction.org.
0: Yes. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. Good luck. Have a wonderful uh, fall season and a happy holiday season. Kimberly Thank Irish, you. You too. Tim Thanks Law for having us. Caitlin Carmody. Take care. Thanks to all three. Man. 200 shows. They're feisty. Whoa. They're good. I dig them. I dig them. Yeah. So, Melanie, what do you think?
6: I- I'm liking every second of it.
0: <laughs> so, we got the swabbing people over here.
6: Yeah. We got One the point. angry
0: breast cancer people over here. We got the Tomen perfume wearing people over
2: there. Do we count as people who do something? Yeah.
6: I'm, they definitely kind of. Uh, yeah, they do. Something. We know uh, they do. I wanted yeah. to get them to create a list of some of the chemicals that people should be avoiding so our young people can print them out and post them all over their school. Well,
2: they can, you can go to, uh, who, who is it? Healthy Chemicals? No, it's called
6: SaferChemicals.org.
2: Safer
0: or, or CampaignForSafeCosmetics.org. There you go. Uh, Mia Davis. Uh, yeah. I've been on our show several times. Yes, she has. Yes. Um, actually, Mia Davis may be speaking at OMG 2012. Excellent. Yeah, because environmentalism and all that stuff, all those multi-syllabic ethyl-methyl-breath-
2: I'm going to moderate that yeah. panel.
0: Yeah. Okay. You have
2: bad breath here. Smell <laughs> <You know, laughs> from here.
0: Ginger ethyl-
2: Bad breath paraben.
0: You what? You yeah. <laughs> what?
2: alright 9:12. 9-12. We've kicked it over time. We should wrap it up on this fine Columbus Day so people can go watch the rest of the Kardashian wedding, part, <laughs> part two. Oh,
0: dear God. No. <sighs> all right.
2: It's time All right, now <laughs> closing sequence. Prepare to activate.
5: This <laughs> <laughs> Every moment is brought to you by Hammerman Angels. Be well, number one. Prepare
0: to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, my you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me
2: cancer. All right, everybody, that is tonight's show. Mark it, check it, put in the calendar, 200th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. We'd like to thank our on-air and
0: in-studio guests, Sister Kenny Kane, Reverend Dr. James Manning, Melody Stevenson from Do Something, Marissa Levesque, her mother, Kim, uh, Yutra. <laughs> Sorry, Yes, uh, Angela Wall, Kim Irish, and Kaylin Carmody
2: from Breast Cancer Action. Next week's show Focus on Komen. We were just talking about ding, him. Ding, ding, now ding, they'll ding. be here. They will be here to talk to us. Alyssa Thorner, she is a two time young adult breast cancer survivor. She's program coordinator at the Johns Hopkins Breast Cancer Program, and she's a young woman's representative at the Susan G. Komen Multicultural Advisory Council. We'll also have Bridget Spence. Young Adult Survivor Stage 4 Breast Cancer. She is a coach of the Susan, Susan G. Komen Three Day for the Cure. And she's a member of the Multicultural Advisory Council as well at Komen. And she's a blogger of My Big Girl Pants. And in the Survivor Spotlight, we have Tanya Katan. She's a writer, an activist, a humorist, and she is a breast cancer survivor. And she's the author of My One Night Stand with Cancer.
0: And if you've missed any of our past shows, all 200 of them, including this one, download them all for free on iTunes at iTunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the Chemo Deck on behalf of Lisa Bernhardt, myself, and our whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show. Have a great week. Good night, everybody.
5: Who must reward his faith
1: to be held This is for Chris and for Kevin and for Danny